What's up, Upper Room Dallas podcast listeners? It's Peter Lewis here, and I'm really excited for you to listen to this week's message. Uh, I dive into the nuance of the gospel, um, the various aspects of Jesus's life and saving work, and how God desires to bring us even closer to himself through his son, um, so that ultimately we have a confession, something that we say um, where we are identifying with Christ Um, And not just holding him at bay, not just saying, you know what, I believe that Jesus died for me, but to be able to say, I have been crucified with Christ. What is it going to take for us to be able to say that um, with integrity and to walk it out? Um, This sermon gives you practicals, um, but it also paints just the bigness and the majesty of our gospel. And I just pray that as you listen Uh, that just the cloud of God's glory and his presence fills your heart, that your mind is renewed uh, to the pattern, uh, which is Christ. Um, I love you guys so much. Keep the faith. Aren't you glad he's strong? He's not tired today, not having a bad day. I don't know. It helps me. Praise God. Can we thank the worship team? That was incredible this morning. Wow. Wow. Hey, I want to call a few of you from the overflow. We've got seats in here. So if you're in the overflow watching and you want to come into this room, whoa, hello, uh, or you just turn up the mic and you can hear me straight through the walls, um, you guys can come in here. There will be some amount of seats. And so we've got a handful here. So if that's you and you felt like you came this morning and you wanted to be in this room, come on in. Wow. Wasn't that heavenly? Man, God is so good. Uh, Well, I'm excited to be here. I have a word I've heard from Jesus. Amen. Um, And I just want to acknowledge Michael and Lo and team are in Argentina. Uh, Just so you guys know if you're new. Raise your hand if you're visiting. Raise your hand. Awesome. Wow. Holy mackerel. Where are you all coming from? Everywhere. Well, we're glad you're here. Ohio, let's go. Oklahoma, Tennessee. Where's Knoxville, Tennessee at? Anyone? Anywhere in Tennessee? Awesome. My Tennessee folks. Awesome. Glad y'all are here. Um, Well, we, our house is global and we have friends all over the world and God has been speaking to us about the southern hemisphere through Larissa had a dream that the presence of God would cover uh, the earth. And so uh, they're down there uh, with Marcos Brunette and uh, Tomatu Lugar and just, um, man, just seeing some pictures and videos. Looks like God is moving powerfully. So just know if you're here in Dallas, there's just global happenings. God is moving all over the earth. And that's so encouraging in the midst of Barna statistics and voting, politics. Jesus is on his throne and he's moving in the earth. His body is, is maturing into a pure and spotless bride. Um, Jesus will have his reward. All right. Well, I'm excited about that, and I'm excited to be here. Um, open your Bibles. Hebrews chapter 3. I'm going to read one verse, and then uh, we're going to hop in. I'm going to do, hopefully, a teaching this morning. Um, though... <laughs> Anyway, I'll I'll share that later. Hebrews uh, 3, verse 1. 
Hebrews 3, this one. Sorry, I didn't give it to you, but they'll find it. Therefore, holy brothers and sisters, you who share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus the apostle and high priest of our confession. Say our confession. Now put your hand on your heart. Father, um, this morning we consider Jesus uh, through your word uh, and by your spirit. We consider Jesus who was both the apostle and the high priest of our confession. And Father, I ask that this morning you um, would give us grace to understand uh, the pattern which is Christ, that we would understand um, who this man is that you have given to the world, uh, that you have made the head of your church, of whom we have become the body uh, of this man. And so, Spirit of the living God, would you come and you fall fresh on our hearts, on our minds. Would you enable us to connect with you in such a way that a confession would explode out of our mouths, God. Not, not being twisted or, or, or feeling the compulsion of like some man, but by the Spirit of God, would we begin to confess the good confession in the presence of each other, in the presence of you, God, in the presence of the world. Would we confess the good confession this morning, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So I, I've had this word in my heart for a few weeks, and it felt big, and it felt a lot, and um, I was really questioning whether or not I was going to preach it. And um, my daughter had a dream uh, two mornings ago, as I'm just wrestling with this, that was like very clear. I'll share the dream with you in a minute. Um, but it was just a kiss from the Lord. My daughter's name is Faith. And she woke up and she thought she had a silly dream. Uh, and the silly dream was, was wind in my heart and in my sails for this morning and this moment. Um, and so I'm exceedingly just filled with faith that God's going to encounter us this morning. I believe he has something for us in his word. And so um, last week, um, Miller talked on the fear of the Lord, which was a beautiful message. If you did not listen to that, you need to go listen to that. Um, it's a word for the church in this hour. Um, he talked about divine order, glory, and judgment. He took it from John Bevere and put his own twist on it. Um, but I want to dive into that divine order um, that I believe God is inviting the body of Christ into in this hour. And um, why I think this is important is because, because glory rests on order. You remember he talked about that last week? And so sometimes if it, I feel like in the church we, we like to make up our order based on our flavor and our preferences like okay this is the order of service this is the order of how we're going to do things but there is a an eternal order that God has given us in his son that if we can corporately get aligned to regardless of our denomination regardless of your background and what you think I believe it's an invitation into glory okay <laughs> so <clears throat> so this question has been coming up in me, how, how do you make a disciple? In Acts chapter 14, I'm going to connect these dots, so just stay with me. In Acts chapter 14, Paul is ministering, and it says, when he had gone there, he had made many disciples. Acts 14, 21. Paul made, he went to this city, and it says he made many disciples. We know the Great Commission, go and make Disciples. This is a really important aspect of the Christian faith, making disciples. How do you know you have made a disciple, that you have made one, that you've completed the process, and therefore how do you know that you are a disciple? 
this is questions I've been pondering. Like, Lord, how do we know, how do I know I'm a disciple, and how do I know that I've made one? Because the Bible says that Paul made one, and I begin to, the analogy, I was having conversations this week, and I'm going to share this prophetic dream, and it's going to encourage you. But I said, you know, my wife bakes cakes. Here's my wife here, my lovely wife, holding a baby. Whose baby's that? Be careful. Oh, it's the, we have five babies that are not babies anymore, and we're loving that, praise God. But there's another, another little one. She's got that twinkle in her eye. Pray for her. My wife is bringing the word tonight, so you don't want to miss that. If you're still in town, it's going to be glorious. Um, but my wife bakes cakes, and I thought, you know what? I was talking to some friends, and I was like, I was like, Paul talks about making a disciple like he made a cake. Like you got these ingredients, and you mixed them together, and voila, I made some disciples. And I thought, man, Lord, I began to pray, God, what, what is the ingredients? What, what makes a disciple? How can we say, like, because it can't be just charismatic, Baptist, Methodist, like there's got to be a scriptural framework for, for what is a disciple of Jesus Christ. Is it just those who've prayed a prayer? Not, nothing wrong with praying a prayer, nothing wrong with making a commitment towards Christ, but, but what is the essence of a disciple, a follower? What is a Christian? Come on. Like how many of you know there's people that you know that are culturally Christian, they, they claim the name of Christ, yet their life doesn't mirror his? And so, the, and that creates a lot of confusion, not just for the church, but for the world. They're going, man, people are, you know, you see people talk and they're deconstructing the faith. You hear this a lot. Amen. You guys hear talk about people deconstructing the faith. I believe in the, and there's kind of some panic around that. Like, oh my gosh, they're deconstructing the faith. I've got news for you. The faith of the gospel cannot be deconstructed. Jude, in verse 3, he says, I, I wrote, I wrote, I, I wanted to write about a common salvation, but I felt it necessary to appeal to you to contend for the faith once and for all delivered to the saints. Friends, I want to tell you, church, I want to tell you, the faith of the gospel has once for all been delivered to the saints. You can't touch it. You can't mess with it. You can only just get whacked by it and succumb to it and obey it, but you can't deconstruct it. What they're deconstructing is man-made Christianity, and they're rightly questioning what hasn't worked. They're rightly questioning that which has no substance, that which is not Christ. But the substance, Colossians says, belongs to Christ, and faith is a substance. And so, and so we talk about glory, and we talk about tabernacle, and we talk about patterns and so I want I want you to know this I'm going to set this up for us this morning but when Moses went up the mountain to the glory of God how many of you know that would have been a cool mountain to be on I mean the mountain it's shaking this is glory when we talk about glory we're not talking I loved what Michael talked about last week he's like stop let's stop talking about the presence and the glory like it's a like it's a pet it's not a pet it's it's God himself we fear and tremble in awe this is God we're dealing with we tremble at his word. We, we, we're aware there's a, there's, a, there's a humility and a posture of awe. We are not God. Amen? Thank God we're not him. But Moses went up the mountain and had this face-to-face encounter with God. And when he comes down, I, we, we've got to get this. We've got to get this and we've got to contextualize it for 2022. See, if, if a Moses today came down from the mountain with such an encounter that we saw, we would say, Moses, lay hands on me. You are glowing like a light bulb. I need you to lay hands on me. 
and whatever substance is on you, I want it to be on me. And you know what Moses did? He didn't lay hands on anyone. He said, guys, I'm going to begin to talk to you about a pattern. I want to talk to you about a blueprint. I want to talk to you about badger skins and poles and, and, and the colors of fabrics. I need to talk to you about specific details. And they're like, whoa, 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 Mo, this is boring. Tell us, what did you see? Were there lightnings and thunderings? And he goes, and he, and he rolls out some blueprints. Because God spoke to Moses and he says, Moses, listen to me. I'm going to give you, I know you're in my glory. I know it's awesome, but listen to my heart. I want these people to be close to me. I want them to be close to me. Just like you're close to me, I want them to be close to me. It's an aching, longing heart in God to be close to humanity. He longs for it. We long for it. I feel like we're, as a church, as a global church, I feel like we're about to have a DTR with God. It's like, God loves us, we love you, we're filled with passion, and then it's kind of like, okay, but where do we go from here? Come on, y'all see the young people dating, and they're filled with passion, like, well, where do we go from here? We got people like the Galindos and the Stokes, they're helping bring divine order and relationships, praise God, the Verklers. So Moses comes down and he begins to say, hey guys, I actually am going to talk to you about a pattern, a blueprint architectural plans for something that God told me, see that you make this exactly according to the pattern. If you deviate from this, Mo, it's not going to be good. And I believe in the new covenant, the New Testament pattern for us, the order of God, the divine order, because we want the glory, do we not? Come on, do we want the glory? The burning man with eyes of fire, we want him in our midst. But I believe the church, we as the church, we can't just walk in here and go, well, when is he going to come in? How is he going to come in? I believe he told us how he's going to come in and how he's going to rest among us in glory. And I believe the pattern is Christ. Jesus Christ, as revealed to us in the gospel, is the pattern. It is the divine order of God. And so I'm going to show you this. I'm going to begin to put up a few things uh, on the screen. But before I do, so I, I had this analogy with cake that making a disciple is like making a cake. And um, in faith, my daughter wakes up two mornings ago and she goes, Dad, I had a silly dream. And she goes, uh, dude, perfect in the dream. You all know dude, perfect? The prophetic people pay attention to this. You're going you're gonna to go, oh, <laughs> dude, perfect. You're still, some of you are still waiting. You're like the trick shot people, yes, but dude, perfect, we're making cakes in the dream. She goes, dude, perfect was making cakes in my dream. And they were putting them on bicycles and they were riding them to a finish line. And they needed to get to the finish line with the cakes. The, the, the challenge was, could you get to the finish line with a perfect cake? And here I am wrestling about, Lord, do I, do I preach this message on how to make a disciple to stay perfectly connected to you until the end? And faith has a dream that dude perfect is making cakes, bringing them to the finish line on a bicycle. Come on. Faith had a dream. Faith had a dream. Oh, y'all are, y'all. Y'all need Brandon back up there on the violin? Is that what y'all need? Y'all are going to only respond to the melody of the violin. Come on. God is singing to you right now. So 
If you have notes, pull out your phone or your paper. Just don't get on Instagram. I know some of y'all have that twick, that twitch, the twick, Twitter. Um, so, so I'm gonna I'm gonna lay this out here, and we're gonna we're gonna hop into this. Um, the gospel, you guys have heard me say this. The gospel is very simply this: it's a revelation of Jesus. It's a it's a pattern for us. And I want to put this up. So the first the first aspect of the gospel. Wow, we got them all there. Is is the incarnation and life of Christ. And so, so stay with me here. I'm, I'm going to just kind of breeze through this. This is stuff that we know, is it not? Jesus, God became a man. God became a man. Eternal entered into time. And he put on flesh. The eternal one put on flesh. He became like us. And, and he began to walk among us. The word was made flesh. And this is really, really significant because in this, in God putting on flesh, do you know what he said? You know what his message was to the world? It, it, we could preach for a year on the incarnation. But this is the essence of what God was saying to us in putting on flesh. Number one, I want to be with you. Emmanuel, God with us. I don't like being far from you any longer. I don't like just dwelling in, in, in wooden boxes covered in gold. That's not enough for God. God wanted to be close to us. And so God becoming man, when you study the incarnation, you're beginning to, you're beginning to see that every one of these aspects or ingredients is a chamber of his heart. We sang about it in this, this morning. Lord, take me into the chambers of your heart. I want to submit to you that these are the chambers of God's heart. It's not some mystical, well, how do I get into a chamber? This is, these are the chambers of his heart. And these, these seven distinct aspects of Jesus' life and work, these are the terms of our covenant as Christians, as followers of Christ, as disciples, these are the terms. This is the pattern. You cannot mess with this. You, you, people are like, I disagree with that. You're wrong. This you cannot disagree with. This is eternal. No man can touch this. Well, I don't feel like that's true. Well, God bless you. It is. This is Christ. No, I want you guys to feel this. I want you to feel the weight of this revelation right here on the screen. The fullness of it. Oh, it's so liberating for us as, as Jesus followers. You and I cannot mess with this. No man can touch it. It is eternal, forever, good news, disclosing God's heart to be one with man. We sing this song, come and consume God. I give you permission. We want you. I've got news for you. He consumed us. This is God consuming man. He, he, he put on flesh. Watch this. Stay with me real quick. I'm going to walk through this. Stay with me. You can take notes. He put on flesh and he says to mankind, hey, come follow me. How many of you heard God call your name and he said, come follow me? 69 of you. He said, come follow me. And so we, we, you know, you hear the call of God, you hear, him, you hear him woo your heart, and you begin to follow him. You're like, oh, awesome, where are we going? And you go to number two on the screen. And you're like, whoa, the cross. It's so happy when he calls your name. Hey, Peter, come follow me. Like, yes, Lord. I'll leave my nets. I'll follow you. Oh, I'll give you everything, Lord. Come on. 
This was your altar moment. Number one, this was your altar moment. Is You, you kind of understood he's calling your name. You heard your name and you said, I'll follow you. And you start following God. And then like the first stop, there was no like foyer, entry hall. You know, you go to those nice resorts and they give you a bubbly drink. It's, ooh, this is nice. There was none of that. It was just a bloody cross right in the entry hall. You're like, whoa, this is, oh, whoa, okay. This is a cross. And he died on that cross. And he was buried in a grave for three days. Jesus laid lifeless in a tomb. On the third day, he resurrected to newness of life. He walked around for 40 days. On the 40th day, he ascended. Gravity stopped working on a man, and he ascended. He went up. There was upness. He went up. And then the Bible says that he put his blood on the mercy seat. He receives the promise of the Father, which was the ability, the capacity to baptize humanity in the Holy Spirit. He does that, and then he takes a jolly seat at the right hand of his Father. And he becomes a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. And he now is sitting down, and, and, and he laughs in his priestly ministry, praying for us, alive for us, being our strength for us, bringing help in time of weakness. Jesus is sitting down at rest, at peace, at shalom, and he covenanted and he promised, and he said, one day I will return to you, and I will marry you. Now that is the gospel. That is the truth of the gospel. That's the facts of the gospel. We have kind of, like modern churches, we've just kind of taken a sliver of that and go death, burial, and resurrection, wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. This is the gospel. This is the truth of the gospel. These are the facts of the gospel. These are seven pillars of the gospel. Now, the church, for the most part, we celebrate this, do we not? Come on. We're like, we applaud this, we applaud this man. We're looking at this, come on, I mean, look at this for a minute. And you applaud this man, you're like, wow, wow, wow. But I want you to see this. And this is where I believe God wants to take us this morning. There is a difference between confessing that you believe in this and identifying with this. There's a really big difference in saying, I believe, Jesus, you died for me, and then saying, I have been crucified with Christ. There is a massive difference. Church, hear me. God is trying to bring back a confession to our mouth that produces a life lived. The only reason we would ever deviate from this message is because we never touched it. I want you to hear this. Jesus, in every step of the way, the Father through the Son is inviting you and I to be closer still. This is the path of righteousness for the saints. This is the path. This is the order. This is the divine order of Christ. Jesus didn't come in a different order. There was not a different order. Do you guys see this? There's a sequential order to the revealing of Christ to us. Are you seeing this? There's a pattern, and in the pattern, there's an invitation to us corporately to put our faith and to be joined to God. God wants union. He wants union. He wants, he wants there to be no separation between us. 
And so I believe where we're going as a church is he's trying to take us away from simply only applauding and going, wow, Jesus, look what you did. And he's going, no, come closer. I need you to touch this. And I need these seven aspects of my son in his life, in his work, to become a genuine confession in your mouth. Not just a confession, but a walk that you walk. Go to Romans chapter 1, verse 7. I'm going to show you what, I'm going to show you biblically what a confession looks like. Paul writes, and you'll see in a lot of Paul's writings, see, can we just acknowledge Paul was a man that was born of God that became a disciple. Can we at least just say the man was a disciple? Okay, so what accompanied the the sign, this is what I'm submitting to you this morning, and you can write this down. This This is, you can take this to the bank. I believe a disciple of Jesus Christ is one who can in first person confess those seven aspects of Christ as their own. You can't take that from someone. Someone who says, I have been crucified with Christ, you can't take that from them. You can't deconstruct that. There's no hell that you could walk through that would take that from you. This is why, this is why the church of old was willing to die. You know why? Because they had a confession. They didn't just believe Jesus died for them. See, that's a weak That's a weak elementary faith is, oh, I believe you died for me, God. I believe you rose for me, God. I believe you ascended. Oh, I believe you're my priest, God. No, 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 no. That's a starting point of the faith. But that's a weak faith. That's not an established faith. An established faith says, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live but Christ lives in me and the life I live in the body I live by faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me see you can't take that from me ever you can't take it it's substance do you know why I'm speaking for me do you know why because I've touched his cross his cross has become my own and it, it was the most horrifying awesome terrifying like 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 there were real moments in secret where God says come I'm staring at the cross, and he goes, come on. No, 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 don't, don't stand at a distance. Don't, don't, don't stay that far. I need you to come. I need you to come. Come and consume, God. He goes, I'll consume all of your sin if you come. Every, every nasty thing that you inherited through Adam, quit trying to wrestle with your old man and just come to my cross. Quit trying to, quit, quit getting ministry after ministry after ministry for your sin and get a confession that you can say, I have been crucified with Christ. Listen, when you hold Christ at bay, you have to go and get all of this ministry for stuff. And this is the ministry of the gospel. It's the power of God to save you. It's power. But it's not power unless you touch it. And I believe God is connecting wires and hearts and minds and mouths and walks this morning. And it's not just about sin. There's so much more. There is, a, there is the riches of the glory of the mystery, which is what? Christ in you. The hope of, we're talking about glory. So if you want glory, you got to have that one, two, three, four, five, six, seven in you. How do you know it's in you? It comes out of you. 
comes out of your mouth and comes out of your walk. You, you talk it and you walk it. What you say is what you walk. You're not just, oh, I believe Jesus died for me, and then you're just going and you're living for yourself. It's hypocrisy. And I, I, don't, I don't think people actually want to, to live in hypocrisy. I think they want integrity. I think they want authenticity. And I think few people have given them permission to actually be made one with God and to show them the pattern. Can I tell you those one through seven? That pattern will not change forever. I can, if you're like, I wanna be stable in my faith, look at those seven in the scriptures and just, if you, if you hear nothing else, you take those seven and you go, this is my study for the rest of my life. I promise you this, your cake, it'll be spotless when he comes. Maybe we just go home there. You take those seven, take it for the rest of your life, you're like, that's audacious, that's bold. Well. I'm satisfied. I've tasted it. I've touched it. It's real. There's substance in it. So Paul is writing to the Romans and he says, Grace to you, to all those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints. The incarnation of Christ is, is the revelation that God, God wants to call us by name. This is the starting plate in the place in the Christian faith. You need to hear God call your name and saying, I'm calling you, Peter, Mike, Alzavian, to follow me. You need to be able to say to yourself, to your spouse, to everyone at your work, I have been called by God. Repeat after me. I have been called by God. Woo! You... Do you know that one confession will destroy purposelessness in your life? Will destroy wandering in your life? So many people wandering. I don't know what my purpose is, brother. I've been called by God. Maybe get a confession and a revelation of the incarnation. God has called you by name and he says, hey, follow me. There's an adventure. There's a life. There's a path of righteousness. And listen, I'm no prophet, but I can tell you where you're going. You're going to number two, then number three, then number four, then number five, then number six, then number seven. That is the path of Christ. Oh, he said of himself, I am the way. And you're like, well, what's the way? That's the way. Come on. Ta-da, there it is. Veil has been unveiled. That's the way. What's the way of Christ? There it is. That's it. Well, what's my path? What's my purpose, brother? This has all the relevance in your life. Like, like, this is eternal relevance. Oh, I don't know that y'all are hearing me. That's okay. <laughs> I have been called by God. You want a strong faith, start there. If you can't say that, sit with the incarnation. Sit with the revelation that Christ came and he called you by name. And he says, I want you. I want you to be with me. And, let, and, and hear him say your name. Follow me. This morning, God may be calling some of you by name and saying, hey, you need to know, I want you, I desire you, come, 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 come. This is the gospel, this is the, this is the great mystery, he, he longs for you, come. And then he dies for you, and he doesn't just die for you, he says, hey, yes, I died for you, I forgive all your sins, but I really need you, I really need you to come a little bit closer. Galatians 2.20. Just put it up there so you can see this. I want you to see this. Galatians 2.20. You have to see 
out of a man who had been born of God, there was a confession that was substance. It was substance. This is the faith that you cannot deconstruct. Imagine a, corp- a corporate body, ecclesia, collectively, collectively with this confession, I have been called by God and I have been crucified with Christ. And to confess that is to acknowledge, see, understand, and touch the reality that the Son of God, like Mike said, he died on a cross once for all. And he took our sin. He didn't just forgive us for what we did, but he destroyed the thing that did it. He destroyed rebellion. He destroyed pride. He destroyed Adam in us. Come on, he destroyed all generational iniquity in us. And the only way that that's not so is if you don't tarry long enough at the the cross to touch it. If you're still struggling, it's not, there's no shame. There's an invitation. Hear the heart of God to you this morning. If you're wrestling, there's an invitation. Just come. This is the path. Stare at that cross and go, wow, everything that I inherited through Adam, it was nailed to that tree. This is such good news. You do not have to, to wrestle that thing. You, by faith, enter into fellowship with Christ. And this is, this is where we stumble. This is where we stumble. It's so good, we actually wrestle. God, are you, are you sure you're good with this? It seems too good to be true. You're like, surely I can't just consider myself dead to sin. Oh, you just quoted scripture. That's Romans 6. <laughs> consider yourself dead, for you have died. It's a, oh, I'm skipping ahead. Keep going. Look at Colossians 3.3. This is the third. I want you to see all of these in confession form. Look at this. For you have died. You weren't just crucified. You have died. You were buried. See, we, we, need, we need to ponder Jesus three days in the grave. We jump to the resurrection, but we're still, we're still messing around with our old man. You need to sit long enough with the lifeless Jesus Christ wrapped up in a tomb in a grave. You have to sit long enough in there to touch him and to see you in him. If you haven't sat long enough with the, I don't know how to describe this to you, the spirit of God will take you into that tomb. And you can see Jesus lying there just completely dead. He's dead. Jesus died, and you, when you stare at him, what happens in that, through the scriptures, I'm talking about a chamber of the heart of God. I'm talking about the good news of the gospel, the power of God. You stare at that man, lifeless. He's not breathing. He's dead, dead, dead. And you're staring at him, and you're like, why am I staring at this dead man? And the spirit begins to instruct and teach and give you pattern. And he says, hey, this is the pattern. You, you need to consider your old man just like this man. This is him. This is him. This is, this is your nasty self. This is him. That's where he is. And you stare at it long enough that you actually touch it and it becomes real. Grace touches you and makes it real. It's not something I'm hoping to be. I'm not hoping to be dead with Christ, y'all. I hope y'all see that. Huh. I'm not hoping I'm dead to sin this morning. 
See, you can only talk that way if you've touched it, if you've been wrapped up in that grave with him. Oh, it's real. It's real. And so then you're there long enough because this is the path of righteousness. This is you just walk. I'm walking the path. I'm like, okay, now what's next? And then it gets bananas. Oh, Lord. Four, four, go to four. I have been born of God. And I have been resurrected with Christ. Oh, Jesus, I believe you rose from the dead. Look at Romans 6, 5. Can you put that up there? Romans 6, 5. Oh. Mm. I know deep is calling to deep in your hearts this morning. Is it not? Call back if, it, if you feel it, because it's, this is how you, I'm not, I'm trembling at the word of God. There's a real tremble in my insides. This, this, this is safe. It's clean. It's the righteousness of God. It's, it's satisfying. Mike gave me this word about, he, he's like, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. They will be satisfied. Listen, this path will satisfy you like no other. No marriage can satisfy you, no car, no job, no status. I'm telling you, the satisfaction of my old man being buried, it makes me want to dance. I don't even dance, but I mean, praise God, my old man, like, it's, I'm satisfied. It's that, it's that Chick-fil-A lady, she ate those french fries, she goes, mm, I'm satisfied. I don't need to eat no more. I mean, she's just, she's just, ah, oh, it's satisfying. And you know, when you're satisfied, you can't fake that. You can't hide that. I'm not trying to be a joyful Christian. I'm just satisfied. People, people get offended. They're like, are you really? I mean, listen, I have bad days. You know why? Because I forget this. It's the source of every bad day is I forget this. People get offended like, are you really? Uh, do you really not struggle? People get offended. You really don't struggle? I, yes, I do struggle when I forget this. But if I remember this, I don't struggle. I'm winning at life. I'm crushing it. I'm overcoming that doesn't mean that I'm not walking through hard and hell and pain and difficulty and, God, what are you doing? Come on, it's real. And marriage stuff and life stuff, it's real. But this is eternal. It's not moving. It's not, it's not being shaken. This is rock. This is bedrock. Jesus is both the cornerstone and he's the framing and he's the roof and he's the air and he's the oxygen and the painting on the walls and every good thing about the home that you have in him. He's all in all. Oh, man, look at this. For if, 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 you have been united. If, 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 if you've been united with him in a death like his. If you have sat there and touched the grave and you've been in there and you're like, you know what? I have permission. Hear the heart of God this morning. You have permission from God to be dead to sin. What, dead, what does that mean? Dead to pride, dead to selfishness, dead to being consumed with what people think about you, dead to lust, dead to pornography, dead to substance abuse, dead to being unforgiving, dead to holding offenses, dead to holding grudges, dead, literally dead, dead to everything that you inherited in Adam. You have permission this morning to be dead. Ah, oh, doesn't that feel nice? And if you've been united with him in a death like his, you shall certainly, say certainly, 
and wiggle your leg because you got to let the joy out somewhere. <laughs> Certainly be united with him. Watch this. Uh-oh, in a resurrection like his. Now, hold on. Like his, you need to take some time because <laughs> when you're in there, when you're in there in those three days, the spirit's awesome. He doesn't, he's not depressing. He's like, don't, I know, I know it's heavy in here. I know it's dark. It's quiet. It's super quiet. It's uncomfortably quiet in there. But the first thing you hear, no, you hear him breathe and begin to open his eyes. And the man wakes up. And he says, hey, just like that, newness of life. And he comes out of that grave, the beauty of his soul, the beauty of the majesty of this man who has conquered death with the keys of death and Hades jangling on his side, twinkle in his eyes. Behold, I was dead, but I'm alive forevermore, and I have the keys to death and Hades. He says, just like that, you, no, 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 huh? we celebrate Jesus. Oh, Jesus, yes, but he says, I want you united with me. I want you to touch that majesty. I want you to touch that power. I want you to touch that level of victory and dominion over sin and death. I, need, I, want, I want it to dawn upon your soul. I want it to dawn upon your soul. I want, I want to bring you into that place. I want, that, I, want, I want my victory to become your own. I want to be one with you. I want to be one with you. Every step of the way, it, it's not some mystical revelation. It's just God's heart going, I want to be one with you. I just want you closer every step of the way. I want, I want your sin closer to my cross. I want your, your bad thinking closer to my grave. I want your new life closer to my son who's been resurrected. Colossians 3.1. So what he resurrected then for 40 days, he was walking around, talking about the kingdom. And then he, he went up. Now watch this. Look at this. Oh, every step of the way, we are included. Every step. He doesn't do something and then not invite us to partake of it. If. Do you know why he says if? Because a lot of people just hold it at bay. A lot of people say, I believe that, but they don't identify it with it. This is the essence of the issues and the woes. This is going to sound bold. This is the issue with the church and the world today. This. It's this if. It's this if. It's not that we don't know one through seven. It's that we haven't touched it. We haven't been made one with it. We haven't understood his heart to bring us closer to it, to be consumed by it. I believe, I believe the full, like we could trace every issue back to this if. But the invitation remains. If you have been raised, what's he, what do you mean raised? When he went up, we went up. He invited us up. Now you say, what, what's the practical application of that? The practical application of being raised with Christ, watch this. Seek the things 
that are above. This means now, watch me, you have a capacity and an understanding that your life is eternal. And so you're no longer obstructed by only earthly things and earthly pursuits and I'm only doing this. You have access now to a heavenly realm. You have access to heavenly perspective, to an eternal perspective. You have access. Everyone say access. The raising brought access. I was raised and I have access. So you were raised into heavenly places. So he says, watch this. Seek the things. What things? What things that are above? What things? He says, seek the things. Don't stop seeking your 40 hour a week. Stop. You still do that. Do that, but seek. See, seek has to do with your heart. It has nothing to do with what you're doing. Have your job. We have jobs, and God knows you have jobs and lives and marriages and kids, and that's real. Do those things and do them well, but seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Next verse. Verse 2. Set your minds... On things that are above, not on things that are earth. Go to three, and we're going to, it's coming full circle. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. So people are like, I don't know what to do with my life. Well, he hid your life in him. And so God wants to produce a confession, not have I just been, I have been called by God. I have been crucified with Christ. I have died with Christ. I have been born of God and resurrected with Christ. I have been raised with Christ. Now watch this, Ephesians 2, 6. And he raised us up with him and seated us with him. Can you see everything he did? He did for us and invited us to partake of it. Do you, know the, do you know, to me, this is maybe for this day and age and for this culture, this is maybe one of the most precious pearls of the gospel that we need to get. We need more Christians who are sitting down in their soul. Sitting down in trust. Sitting down in authority. Sitting down in righteousness. Sitting down in peace. Sitting down in victory. Sitting down in, in, in shalom. We need to sit down with him. And he invites you. He says, come sit. And, and to be raised and seated is to enter into the promised rest that it talks about in Hebrews 4. That is the promised rest. It's the seat. It's the seat. And, and we need to be able to not just say but to demonstrate as a people, I've been seated with Christ. Postels, y'all are seated with him. That's clear. There's a, there's a glory. There's a shalom because of your seat. Because for years, you've walked this out. And, and, and though hell has come, you're seated. You're seated. And why do, I, why do I bring that out? Because it's an example corporately that we can all understand. There is a, there is a it's not to say you don't have emotions and you don't have real a fight of faith. It's to say that you have touched that seat. And I honor you. And I honor John. 
and your family, the way you've been an example in the faith for us all. You can't take that from them. There is an eternal weight of glory that rests upon you, that is deposited to you as you stay seated in the midst of this trial. He says, oh man, there is, <laughs> there is an eternal, eternal weight of glory. And that's an example and an exhortation and a prophetic invitation for us as a house to watch and go, wow, that's not something you're espousing and popping off, hoping is true. That's something you're demonstrating in our midst, in our company. And I would be remiss to not acknowledge it, celebrate it, and honor you for it. Can we do that as a house? Can we stand and just honor? No, it's we celebrate arms growing back and legs growing back. But this is the faith of the gospel being manifest in our midst. And, it's, and it speaks of your, of your pursuit and your surrender and the obedience of your faith to God. And I commend you and I honor you and we stand with you. Come on. This is the last one and then we can go home. We sit down and then God makes this wild promise and he says, I'm coming back for you. And the confession of faith that flows out of that revelation that Jesus is coming back is simply this. I will be ready. So come. You can't say come without knowing I'm ready. So, you, so to back to our initial question, how do you know you're a disciple? You can say, put the... Put the those, those Jesus ones up there again, or put the list of the confessions of the faith. I believe this, this is how you know you're a disciple. You can say this with integrity. And yes, yes, do we grow in this? Yes, do we touch this more? Yes, can we say it and say it again? And every time we say it, there's the unsearchable riches of Christ that are come to us. In the, yes, you don't, it's not like, okay, I, I'm, I arrived, now I'm a disciple. But this, this is the substance of faith that I believe God is calling us to as a house. In my heart's prayer, my desire, as you're seeking God, as you're, we're seeking the glory of God, that we would say, man, I want this pattern in my life. I want to align my life and my songs and my worship and how I live with these confessions. I want to be able to confess these with integrity and walk them out. I didn't have time today to talk about what does a life live, lived look like in the wake of this confession. That's a whole other Praise God. We could talk about that another day. I wanted to talk to you about it today, but wisdom restrained me. So can we stand up together? I know I overwhelmed you. I overwhelmed, well, I was overwhelmed myself. I want us to, can we put those confessions back up, please? As J. Lou begins to play, I want us to just look at them. And you've seen them in the scripture, so these aren't things that we're making up, things that we're hoping to be true. This is the word of God. These are things that you can rest in, that you can trust in, that you can take to the bank. You can see the verses there, write them down, study them. These confessions are not about us. 
there about what happens to us. The substance belongs to Christ, but he allows us to partake of it and to partake of him. And so these confessions are where we touch him. And so this morning, all I want us to do is to just begin to put these confessions on our lips. Almost as a prophetic act of us saying, God, it's okay to say these things and go, I want these to be even more true in my life. Some of you are like, I can't say that. Do you want to say it? Then say it. And say it with me. And, and the grace of God will come and ride upon your confession. And so together, let's say number one, I have been called by God. Say it again. I have been called by God. Number two, I have been crucified with Christ. Say it again. I have been crucified with Christ. Just see all of your sin nailed to that tree. Number three, I have died with Christ. Every generational sin and iniquity, lifeless in that grave. <laughs> Number four, I have been born of God and have been resurrected with Christ. Uh-oh. Imagine right now with that confession the beauty and the perfection of Jesus' own soul and his own mind and his own countenance and his own consciousness being deposited into you. As a gift. Now see Jesus on that 40th day, the ascension day, just floating up. Lifted up out of sight. I want you to just see him there and say with me, I have been raised with Christ. That feels good. You can, it's okay to be joyful. It feels good to be raised with you, Lord. I'm so thankful we're not in the depths and the pit and the mire that, that that's not all we have to be is just stuck in this realm, stuck with our circumstances and our bank accounts and our broken relationships that, that we've been raised. Wow, thank you, God. Now picture Jesus goes and he sprinkles his blood on the mercy seat and he baptizes us in the Holy Ghost and then he sits down in a glorious chair. He sits down and we all say, I have been seated with Christ. And so let your soul just settle in as you gaze upon the sea of glass in the midst of all the worship and the adoration. There's a sea like glass there's shalom there's peace let the peace of God fill your soul 
And as you think about this day right now, October 16th, 2022, and you look forward to his return, and you think about all the days from this one right now to the day he comes back to marry you, 